The following contains plot spoilers, and the comments and opinions expressed herein are for entertainment and commentary purposes only and may not reflect the actual opinions of Geeks Radio or the individual hosts. So don't get mad. It's just a show. In a world, within a world, within a world, that is also next to another parallel world, this is Totally Super Multiverse Edition. (laughs) Welcome to Totally Super, where we review every superhero movie ever made, except not today. Um, Or maybe we're reviewing all the superhero movies that could be made. Um, I called Arthur yesterday, or like two, three days ago. I was like, hey, we need to do something a little different. Um, because there is, there has been for all this time, um, really no superhero news dominating the news cycle. Mm -hmm. It's just not been going on. You've had the occasional trailer. You've had, um, of course the big Marvel news release, which is going to play into some of the things that we talk about today. Um, but really there hasn't been high level content. You've had the boys, which has been great. Um, and, uh, and you had the Umbrella Academy, which is great, but it's, it's just, you know, the, the bells that they ring are nowhere near as large and loud as the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, so between now and next month's The Snyder Cut of Justice League, that's kind of been all we've had. And by now, what I mean, of course, is WandaVision. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so first off, just so you understand where we're going, spoilers. Mad f- WandaVision spoilers. Yeah. Yeah. Spoilers for WandaVision, for Justice League, spoilers mm-hmm. for the entire X-Men franchise. Uh, spoilers uh, for Spider-Man, Spider-Verse for, stuff. For Spider-Verse. Spoilers for possible upcoming things in in movies. Spoilers for uh, the Arrowverse on um, when it comes to the DC uh, TV stuff. Spoilers for years and years of comics continuity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that here's what you should know. Anything at this point that has come out that is comic book related, we might talk about today. Mm-hmm. Um, so if there's something in the like that you've been waiting to get to. Um, just listen carefully. If we're about to veer out of, I, I say for now, let's just keep with anything that is Marvel or DC. So you're mm-hmm. pretty safe. Um, so like the other thing to know is that we have things to speculate about. I will be talking a little bit about known casting for upcoming things um, and rumored casting for upcoming things, but um, we have no actual knowledge. So if we prognosticate, um, it is not because we know a plot. I have not read a script. I do not have foreknowledge of anything coming other than cast members on IMDb mm-hmm. and trailers that have come out. So I just, you know, if you want to stay totally clean and totally clear, then then listen carefully and skip ahead or listen to one of our other over a hundred amazing episodes. But this sort of needs to be talked about because this is the thing now, right? This is like we've gone from... When we started with Iron Man, at the end of Iron Man, the closing credits, suddenly Nick Fury shows up and he goes, I'm putting a team together. Oh my gosh. What? They're going to do the Avengers? They're, they're going to they're gonna have another movie that's totally about a totally other and different guy. And then another movie about a total and other different guy. And then those guys and the side characters from their movies are all going to be in one big giant movie together. That's crazy. And now we're at a point where we're so used to it. Mm -hmm. Everyone seems to think, you know what we should do now? (laughs) Everything exists. Yeah. There's, there's almost part of it. It's almost like if a superhero film is made, that is literally just meant to be a one shot. Everyone's like, what, what the hell is this? Yes. And that's what they're doing. Right. Um, Matt Reeves, the Batman starring Robert Pattinson. Mm-hmm. is being shot right now by all accounts it looks really good joker came out and by all accounts it was really good um but like it's <laughs> it 
it is not the event that it once was in 1989 Batman. Just, it was just called Batman. There was nothing. There was not the Batman. It wasn't mm-hmm. like the, the ultra Batman. It was just Batman. Just one yeah. word, Batman. Not even a real word, Batman. And boom, biggest movie ever. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, just being the Avengers isn't enough anymore. And that's one of the things I wanted to talk about today. But before we start, um, I think that we would be remiss if we didn't start right away with the thing everyone's talking about. So I would like to start yeah. the podcast off by uh, by touching on specifically the events of the last minute of the fifth episode of WandaVision, the current show on Disney Plus uh, that is the first Marvel Cinematic Universe thing released after Spider-Man Far From Home, but seems to be chronologically taking place before that film. Mm-hmm. So, um, would you like to review what happened? Do you want me to... How, we don't usually do these sort of supplemental things. We normally have a more organized thing, but what would you like to do? Would you like to... I mean, I actually let me let me take a shot at this. I tried because I was actually explaining this to a friend a couple of days ago who sure. had not seen WandaVision. And it's like, all right, so the comic universe, you've got the characters of Wanda Maximoff and Quicksilver, who are brother and sister, twins. In the original comic universe, they are mutants, uh, the son and daughter of Magneto. Um, however, when Marvel in the Marvel Cinematic Universe wanted to add these characters into their canon, they couldn't because mutants, everything having to do with mutants was, uh, at least in the movie world, was owned by Fox at the time who were putting out the X-Men franchise. So Wanda Maximoff and Pietro Maximoff suddenly were people that had received Hydra experimentation with the Mind Stone, which gave them their power which were similar to what they were in the comics. Uh, Most importantly, Quicksilver was a speedster. Uh, They were introduced in Avengers Age of Ultron. Pietro was killed off at the end of that film. Meanwhile, over in the X-Men cinematic universe. Same summer. Yeah, same same summer. summer, They were doing Days of Future Past in which the character of Quicksilver, although not Wanda, but just Quicksilver, was introduced in that as a young punky speedster uh to, who, to greater acclaim and effect much greater by, acclaim by and effect everybody's everybody's yeah. um i mean and to be fair you know the pietro and age of ultron didn't really get too much of a shot i mean wanda wasn't much of a developed character by by the end of age of ultron no um, no not at all. and and you know and i have nothing against that guy that guy played kick-ass Mm-hmm. Um, and we loved the first, I loved the first Kick-Ass. Yeah. And the other one played Kick-Ass's best friend in yeah. Kick-Ass. So oh my gosh, together. that's right. Yeah. You, watch, you want to watch the two <laughs> yeah, If together, you want to see them together, go watch there you go. They're both there. Anyway, so sorry, the, so what we've got then is the Marvel Cinematic Universe where Pietro, Quicksilver, not a mutant, is dead. And the X-Men Universe where Quicksilver, Peter, uh, I believe, is a mutant and alive. Then we go to WandaVision, which is shortly after. Disney in its desire to own every story that has ever been told dating back to the Bible uh, has purchased uh, Fox Studios, which means that Disney now has the rights to everything pretty much in the Marvel canon. Uh, so there's been a lot With of the discussion. exception of Spider-Man, which we'll talk about. Oh, yeah, that, that's true. Spider- Sony is still holding out on that. Um, but you know, there's been much discussion ever since this happened of, okay, does this mean that the Marvel cinematic universe is going to be bringing in mutants? If so, how are they going to introduce it at this late date? What's the whole thing? Like if they're even going to do that, we still don't know. Um, but WandaVision, uh, at the end of this fifth episode and the basic premise of the show is she's in this TV show. Uh, with Vision. Uh, And there's debate over, okay, is she causing it? Who's causing it? But regardless, it is like this weird parallel universe 
TV show. I don't dig any story that's the story of a bunch of characters trapped inside of a TV show that are coming to the realization that that's where they are. Hey, man, if you got a copy, copy from the best. <laughs> that's right. Of course. You know, which, Christmas, which they did. A which Christmas they did. cancellation. Now available. <laughs> a Christmas Amazon cancellation, Prime. which came out before WandaVision. That's right. Now available. <laughs> before that was even announced. Like, we, we I wrote that in 2018. Mm-hmm. Anyway, go on. Yeah. Uh, you know, along those lines, I remember a number of years ago, I had this idea. I was just like, you know what would be awesome? I love the musical 1776. What would be really cool, though, is though I hate the fact that 1776, if you cast it normally, it's just a whole bunch of white men plus uh, Martha Jefferson and Abigail Adams. Why don't instead let's just completely both gender and ethnic blind just cast everything let's let's have a woman playing john adams let's have uh let's have a you know let's have a black man as john hancock like who cares everyone deserve like if this is the story of america then every american should have a chance to tell the story one year later after i had that idea hamilton coincidence i think not yeah you shouldn't have thrown away your shot sir they told you not to (laughs) oh you, you told me and every time i was like i will not i will not (laughs) <laughs> oh, that that ended poorly. Um, regards. To, oh, yes. One division. <laughs> so we reach this final, you know, we, we reach this final episode where there have been a number of twists and turns like um, of a lost, like a, a lost level of what a twist moments happening. And then suddenly there's a knock at the door and Wanda goes to open it. And standing there, we see a we see from the back a white haired figure. And we're like, oh, my gosh, that's that's Pietro. She's somehow resurrected her dead brother. But then we see it from the front and it is Quicksilver. But it's Quicksilver from the Fox universe. Like the, and he's like, hey, yeah. And he's like, hey, can your brother get a hug? And, and Darcy's like, you recast you recast like she recast her brother. Um, it is, uh, I, I squeed in a major way. It, honestly, it is one of the most, I don't know if we will ever be able to have such a confluence of events happen to create this kind of meta moment. Certainly nothing like this has happened before. I don't even know if anything like this will ever happen again, where you've had two, the same character that existed in two different studios. One character dies, the other stays alive, but then the two studios merge. And so they are then able to bring back the, pr- like, this is a, this is a perfect yeah storm of what the heck i remember when ultron came out i was so interested in this story i love the marvel legal wranglings um little backstory in the 1990s marvel marvel was crashing and burning it just was it mm-hmm. was the they had overproduced the the amount of issues released the amount of copies of an issue released for some major high profile things and then try to get sales they um when x-men number one came out jim lee's x-men number one came out they thought it was going to do the kind of business that todd mcfarland's spider-man number one uh that was just a few years earlier had done and uh it did do business but not the business that they were expecting they did multiple 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 printings and suddenly all those comics ended up on the shelf um they kept trying and trying to do things like um like foil hologram things everything they could do to make an issue a comic uh of a comic book a collector's item but it wasn't working and so marvel was finally was in the process of almost like having to declare bankruptcy and go under there was going to be no marvel Mm -hmm. and right around that time fox and sony showed up james cameron showed up because he was going to be making spider-man um and if you look at the uh producing credits for the original toby mcguire spider-man james cameron is in that um there was all this stuff that was done where basically they sold off the movie rights to characters that it seemed like either nobody cared about or could never actually be done in a convincing way in a way to save themselves as a company and they sort of sold it off 
to everyone and kept, you know, they couldn't sell off their unpopular characters like Nick Fury or Iron Man or Captain mm-hmm. America. Who cared about those guys? Those weren't the people to go for at the time. And so when Marvel Studios started making its own movies, it had only these characters, these second tier, nobody cares about characters. And when Iron Man came out, it was not a big deal. Like that was the same summer as I think either Batman Begins or The Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that it, like an old 80s star is coming back to play Iron Man with Gwyneth Paltrow. Uh, all right. I, I mean, I, we'll I remember we were like people like you and I were there sure, we with were interest. There, but, but we were but we were also there for the Ben Affleck Daredevil. Right. We were yeah. there for any comic movie that came out. This was just going to be another one mm-hmm. um, bolstered by a great script incredibly like I people lay it on Downey and Downey is amazing but I have to give it to Favreau the director of the of the movie the movie is Mm -hmm. it has limited scope but it is flawless yeah it It is is incredibly it is its only limit is its size but within its size it is incredibly well crafted I dare you to find me three significant problems with that film because there's not Mm -hmm. Iron Man 2 has lots other Marvel movies have lots but that film literally makes no mistakes it's a gem and suddenly you have the MCU grows out of that and they keep pulling second tier characters that nobody gives a crap about. Nobody cares about Rocket Raccoon. Are you kidding? Ant-Man? What? <laughs> but Marvel turned that into it. So now it's first tier characters become more available. We'll talk again, like I said, about the Spider-Man situation. But when Disney finally buys Marvel, then Disney buys Fox and you can bring it all together. You're in the situation where... Of course, they're not going to sit on the intellectual property of the Mm X-Men. That's a a multi-billion dollar franchise and still mostly the best selling comic books. Yeah. So you you want to bring them in, but Arthur's absolutely right. How how do you do that because the X-Men comics from the very first issue, X-Men number 1 from 1966 um, or 63, sorry, the X-Men comics are based on a pre-existing history. Mm-hmm. When, when Xavier first shows up, Magneto has already been through the Holocaust as an adult, his wife was who's killed and then he he is it, then he is de-aged then it is kids who's killed but he's still super tied in the holocaust i'm actually really curious how they would handle magneto today because the fact like mm-hmm. like as we get into the 2020s 2030s you know how do you handle magneto without him being a 90 year old man mm-hmm. if you if he was a baby in 1940 he would be 90 now and yeah. how how do you handle that you know, I don't know how you reframe Magneto. Do you take the Holocaust away? In which case, is that cool to do? Mm-hmm. Um, on the other hand, do you keep it and somehow he was there and but there's like 30 years of his life that he lost? I don't know how you handle that. Yeah. But specifically, the problem is that the history of the X-Men is that mutants have been around and people don't like them for kind of obvious reasons like if you take away the 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 racial aspect of it there's a there is and i think this this is raised really kind of well in the first x-men movie the guns in our schools debate where you have people how can we possibly compete with somebody who can walk through walls it's the fear of the uh it's the same thing that was tapped into so well in the original alien film uh which is the the idea that uh i remember i had i had an english professor who said that you can tell a lot about what a culture fears based on the monsters and its stories Hmm. and the thing with the alien film was it came out at a time where really for the first like evolution was pretty much had become the accepted thing of real uh everyone realizing that okay yeah that's um that is the way that humans have come to be which suddenly opened up this idea 
that had not existed before, which is then what's to stop something else evolving beyond us? And how do we react to that? Like, um, and you know, the argument that it's like, well, yes, um, Homo sapiens got to where they were mostly by killing off Homo, killing off Homo erectus. Yes. So, so when Homo superior, when Homo superior arrives, what's to stop them from doing the same thing? It's a very correct. Yeah. It's a uh, it's a wonderful um it's a wonderful theme that's explored. They explored in the comic version of Civil War not so much with the mutants but just with the idea of or you know like even the Sokovia Accords. It's you have these beings that have you know they are human in just about every conceivable way except. They are capable of doing so much damage if something goes wrong, then... And no one has the power to tell them no. And no one has the... Yeah, and, and so if... But if we do have the power to tell them no, then shouldn't we? Uh, in the Dragon Age, uh, in the Dragon Age video game series, they have the exact same... Pro they have the exact same question with... Uh, if you are born as a mage, if you are born with the ability to use magic, then that gives you not just the power to use magic, but it also means that demons are able to take over your body if you you are not careful. And so that world's way of dealing with that is, oh, you're a mage. Okay, we're not going to kill you off, but we're going to take you to this tower and you are going to be under extreme. You are going to be not under just their training, but there is a whole group called the Templars, which their purpose is essentially to be your jailers. And the instant you step out of line, they're going to kill you for the good of the society. Right. And so what do you do when Iron Man showed, shows up? The world clearly doesn't know what a superhero is all about. Then they retcon that and they go, well, the world knew about Captain America. Mm -hmm. And then you go, well, the government knew about Captain Marvel. Um, mm -hmm. But in general, there was not a bunch of super people around. Yeah. So how do you integrate the X-Men into the Marvel Cinematic Universe when Professor Xavier's formation of the X-Men is based around the idea that the world hates and fears them. And has and so, for a while. And they need a place to go. How do you introduce all of that? And I've speculated many things. Maybe it has to do with the snap. But maybe the easiest thing is you go, hey, no, we're just going to yank their universe into ours. Well, and I was thinking about that. That certainly would be. I mean, it's an easy way to do it storytelling wise, but especially so soon after the snap, which was big and bold and was such a world-changing thing. Um, and the way that they dealt with explaining it in Spider-Man Far From Home of, oh, they called it the blip. And everyone has, for the most part, just tried to get back to normal. Um, I think we were all okay with that. It was, but it was, to use your uh, your parlance, um, it was just a tiny bit of a scoop. Uh, there was a sense of, okay, it was a blip. What we're still seeing things of people trying to reconcile it, but for the most part, the world has gone back to the way that it was before. And by the way, kudos to WandaVision for giving me that post blip moment. Oh my that gosh, I that was amazing. See. I was like, yeah. okay. So, but think about this. Think about what if, and this is just speculating uh, about a way that they could do it. So, let me back up. We are, like we said, we're talking about multiverses. And the idea of a multiverse is this. We are in one universe. And in another universe, there might be something very much like our universe. Think about the Star Trek parallel universes. Um, I will assume anyone who's listening to a show called Totally Super understands the idea of a multiverse, which <laughs> is essentially that that yes, the X-Men universe happened and yes, the Marvel Cinematic Universe happened and if you had the appropriate mechanism, you could somehow travel between those two universes um, because they on a quantum level both coexist is sort of sort of the idea or variations of each coexist. What if in a, what if by pulling in the X-Men and somehow the snap also means that mutants are starting to exist. They're starting to manifest. Mm -hmm. 
What if you think about it in a post 9-11 world? What if the person coming up to us said, hey, what was it like to be a known Muslim in October of 2001 in the United States? Mm-hmm. Where a month ago, you were just living your life. Yeah. And now the world hates and fears you despite the fact that you have no ill intentions. The mm-hmm. world assumes either you have ill intentions or they accept maybe you don't have ill intentions, but someone does. And can and we to, really and, take that chance? And, and to keep everybody safe, it's worth infringing on you a little bit. To And what if that is sort of the, the way that you frame the mutant thing, which is we've just had a 9-11 style event in the Marvel mm-hmm. Cinematic Universe, the blip. So, and everyone's moved on and everyone's trying to, you know, live their life out and kind of move forward and putting on the brave face but now mutants show up and and it sort of brings back the PTSD to society and gives society what it so often unfortunately seems to need which is a puppy to kick because they're feeling scared mm-hmm. and and that like I think that if ever there was a world to tell rich and dramatic stories about the sudden appearance of mutants it would be in a post blip world where everyone has tried to to sort of pretend it didn't happen but now you have other people who can snap their fingers and they don't even have an origin and nobody knows who they are and suddenly everyone's like ah oh, my kids you know I think I, that so I think that could work the the question that I run into there and honestly it's kind of the question that it is the problem with the mutant theme even in the Marvel comics now which is mutants are not the only source of super powered beings you've got aliens you've got altered humans you've got inhumans which for all intents and purposes are kind of the same thing as mutants and yet nobody like inhumans don't need to even in the comics inhumans don't need to deal with societal distrust or anything like that um there is no from a functional standpoint even if you brought mutants in to the current marvel cinematic universe now there is no functional difference between the damage they could do and the damage that already existing characters that society has already been worried about could do and so here's one another diffe- the so- one difference could be though the one the one difference could be though every superhero that we've met or supervillain or superperson always kind of ends up being avengers adjacent the but the uh my thought the other way of another way that they might handle this which could be an interesting thing to explore too is okay let's say that you're bringing mutants in from this parallel universe and in this parallel universe these mutants have been you know hated and they've been fighting for all these things and because these are stories that anybody can see that you can go watch the other x-men films um what happens if you take those people and bring them into a universe that you know there's still there's distrust but it's like yeah, that's just distrust that everyone has of superheroes. That's why we've got the Sokovia Accords. Like, what happens if you take people who have been used to being the outcasts and fighting so hard and bring them into a universe where everyone's like, oh, okay. Like, I think that would also be a, that would also be a potentially interesting thing to uh, to explore. I, I think that would be, uh, by the end of that story, they'd have to mess it up though, right? Because the essence of drama is conflict. Oh yeah, of and, course. And, and <laughs> I th- I in either case... What we're talking about is the possibility of pulling the X-Men out of the universe where they are. And instead of giving us a known in-universe reason that the X-Men are showing up, we are now dealing with uh, the possibility yeah. that we can just yank them across. I, I don't see, and I could be wrong, I don't see how you can actually blend both universes without breaking both of them. Um, That's a great question. I mean, I, I, I guess that's why they all get paid so much over there. Yeah, maybe. At Marvel, <laughs> you know, that's all they, we we have our hour to, to talk about it and they have mm-hmm. months and months and months to do nothing but brainstorm 
the best way for it to work. So in Feige, yeah. we trust. He's done. So everything with the X-Men Avengers universe notwithstanding, it does belie a larger issue that's happening in superhero storytelling, which is one of the reasons that I wanted to bring it into the Totally Super Show as its own idea. Because I think what we're looking at... It is becoming is something of a trend. Yeah, it's the new... It's, it's a new paradigm, right? I'm cool... I'm cool with all of it. First of all, in the short term, I'm awesome with this. Mm -hmm. I want, here's the thing. I'm not sure if I'm glad it's happening, but I want everything it's giving me. (laughs) (laughs) Like, there's nothing that I've heard about that I'm not super excited about. And you're you're talking about how it seems that just about anything having to do with superheroes is now going multiverse. Yes. And that's the thing. So, so we were talking offline before about how this has happened. Buffy and Angel, Star Trek had crossovers mm-hmm. from time to time. The idea of a shared universe is actually not yeah. that new. Or just, at least a one look shot. Up, look up a flow chart. Look up a flow chart related to um, to St. Elsewhere. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. Yeah. Because the at the end of St. Elsewhere, they said the entire show was a dream in someone's head. But unfortunately, St. Elsewhere had crossed over with like five other shows. Which meant that all of those of were dreams too. And all of those shows crossed over to a bunch of other shows. So literally, in order for St. Elsewhere to be in someone's head, all of Friends, all of Star Trek, the entire Alien franchise, Firefly, all of it doesn't exist. You can find... Which which technically is probably about as... is an accurate reflection. They all just exist in someone's head. Well, and that's... and it's, it's a really interesting thing because one of the biggest things is that at one point, that show crossed over with Newhart or crossed over with the show that crossed over with Newhart. With Newhart, which then is a whole other thing. End of the New end Heart of Newhart is, is also that the entire show Newhart was in was a dream of Bob Newhart in his in, previous in the Bob Newhart in the show, Bob Newhart show, which also crossed over at the time in the seventies with a bunch of other shows, which then therefore means <laughs> that all of those shows were also in the head of the kid from Seattle. It's so amazing. It, it's, Look it, it up. So I Look was thinking about the this. highest resolution picture you can find <laughs> because it's it's you could put it on a wall as a poster. It's an incredible and. I think it's worth to look at. Let's uh, we can delineate a difference between crossover and a multiverse situation or a quote sure. or a verse situation. A shared universe um, versus a yeah. Versus and a I think because I think where crossovers came from and possibly even where multiverse came from, it stemmed out of the idea of, well, to put it simply, it stemmed out of the idea of what if, which Marvel actually has a series called What If, which is essentially okay. It, it's the conversations we have in the lunchroom. It's well, okay, what ha- what would have happened if this decision had gone differently? Or oh, hey, these are two characters that are both cool, even though they're in separate universes. What would happen if they met? Who would win in a fight, Captain America or Superman? Like these are the fun conversations to have. And crossovers exist in order to play around with that. Um, I mean, shoot, the Family Guy Simpsons crossover. It made no sense other than because, hey, these are two hit TV shows. Let's see what Peter and Homer would do together. And for the two episodes of that crossover, it was actually quite a delight. Now, that gimmick would have fallen apart by the third episode. Uh, And so I think crossovers from time to time are just a fun way of like adding zest into a story. They allow us to play around with things. They... Uh, you know, crossovers are like the folk music 
of uh, televised stories um, in that it's so much about just borrowing from other people and trying different things on. And uh, but a verse situation, a multiverse situation is where you're trying to say, OK, we are going to try to take that crossover and now make it a fully functional and integral part of our actual story universe. And so that's I, that gets tricky. So we were talking a little bit about the Arrowverse on the CW, which started with the show Arrow and then they brought in the Flash and then they would cross over. Then they made Legends of tomorrow and then those three shows would cross over and then supergirl started showing up even though she was in a different universe they found a way on that show because they have multiple earths earth one earth two etc etc um they started pulling supergirl from a different universe into their universe so they could have crossovers with the three of them and even that i was sort of okay with and then they gave us last year and we touched on it uh, um last year on the show they gave us something called Crisis, which was based on a comic book event that happened in the 1980s called Crisis on Infinite Earths. The idea of which being, if you go back into the 60s um, and before, Superman was incredibly popular. So they had action comics, which starred Superman, and they had The Adventures of Superman, which also starred Superman. And these two writers and, and artistic teams did not communicate with one another. And they made the decision they were going to make one was Earth 1 and one was Earth 2. And the idea was on one, Superman were for the Daily Planet. On the other one, Superman were for a television station. And they were clearly two different Supermen, depending on which comic book that you were reading. Well, eventually they kept doing that. And then they had a... A, an Earth 2 Flash, but that was really like, that Flash didn't really interact with the Earth 2 Superman, so that was really like more like Earth 3. And they kept doing it to the point where the DC continuity was so kerfuffled that you just, if you tried to write the history of it, you couldn't make sense of it. So this book, Crisis on Infinite Earths, projected what would happen if each one of those things we saw was its own pocket universe, but it was all collapsing. There could not be a multiverse. The multiverse could not sustain itself. So there had to be one single universe and that's all there could be. And what what, hap what happened in that in the, in the Crisis series is that they all slammed into each other so that you had three Supermen and four Flash and for, for Batman and blah, blah, blah. And they all fought and battled. And at the end of it, the entire universe exploded. <laughs> and you had one universe where everyone kind of had a modified origin story. Their power sets were reset. Like Superman was less powerful than he was before because it was getting hard to write stories for a guy who can do anything. Who was literally um, God. Yeah. You followed that up with John Burns, Man of Steel and, um, and Frank Miller's Batman Year One happening at the same time where they're like, we are redefining our characters for mm -hmm. the end of the 20th century. And it's one universe. And every once in a while, they split the universe up and they have another crisis. <laughs> And they and they slammed back together. Marvel did something similar, similar with uh, did, Secret Wars they, a few years ago. They, they did, but they didn't. In that the Marvel continuity is supposedly still traceable back to X Men number one, like to to Fantastic Four number one, which was the first one. Like you could, there isn't like a break and then everything restarted. But that's what how they use the multiverse in the comics. So they did that on the show this last year. They made something that was called Crisis on Infinite Earths, and um, Crisis on Infinite Earths had a crossover not only of Legends, Flash, Arrow, and Supergirl, which had already happened, but then they pulled in Black Lightning, who has his own show, from another universe and pulled him into that universe. And by the end of this, they had all collapsed into one and now they were all in one singular universe. But the big gimmick of that show was 
they kept jumping from Earth to Earth to Earth to Earth. So, um, what's his name? Robert Wool, who was the funny reporter guy in the Batman's 1989. He is on Earth 89 reading a, a, a newspaper that says Batman missing. And then they cut to, at one point, they jump into Smallville. And Tom Welling is sitting there having a conversation with Stephen Amell, who's Arrow. And then they jump to, like, even stuff that doesn't belong. Like, they go to hell and Lucifer from the show Lucifer is talking to John Constantine. <laughs> and, and like, they're just pulling in people from, like, any, any show they can. Um, they even really famously had a scene where Grant Gustin's flash is running fast and there's a big explosion of white and suddenly he's in a lab with Ezra Miller's flash from the Justice League movies and they have a conversation like who are you I'm Barry Allen you're Barry Allen I'm Barry Allen and and, and Ezra if you remember the Justice League movie Ezra's Ezra Miller's costume is all like armored mm-hmm. and Grant Gustin's costume on the, on the flash show is all fabric and it's really funny because Ezra Miller's like oh your costume seems so sorry so so flexible and comfortable and Grant Gus is like, You're, you must be so well protected in that. It's, it's, it's like, it's this really fun meta moment that they have. And it's great. And at the end of the show, everything collapsed in on each other. The problem that you run into is that now that went well enough economically, if not creatively, that then they announced, well, the next thing that you had is you had Spider-Man to the, into the Spider-Verse, which is a really interesting thing mm-hmm. in that it is a multiverse movie starring no characters from any universe that we know mm-hmm. that they are they're saying there's a multiverse and multiple spider-man across the multiverse none of whom are the ones you've met mm-hmm. and we're pulling them all into a single place and dealing with the multiverse just none of the universes you know so it's really it was a movie about really it was in many ways about the concept of a multiverse yeah without actually doing what they were gonna do so then you get after that and this is where it gets interesting mm-hmm. ezra miller is finally gonna get his own flash movie and when they announced the Flash movie that they were doing, and it's been percolating forever, last year they announced that they were going to have Ben Affleck had quit, and Robert Robert Pattinson was going to come in and be in Matt Reeves the Batman. But then you hear. Ben Affleck's coming back for mm-hmm. the Flash movie. And you're like, oh, okay, so the Batman's going to be its own thing, but Ben Affleck is still going to be Batman in the Flash movie because he dealt, okay. Then you hear there's time travel and you hear also Michael Keaton is has been cast in the Flash movie, as has Michelle Pfeiffer, as Batman, the one we know from 1989, mm-hmm. is going to be fighting alongside Ben Affleck as Batman and the Flash. And since then, the casting for that movie has just been nuts. Like every week you hear that some other legacy DC thing from a show Mm -hmm. or from a movie from like 20 years ago is showing up in that movie. Marvel, not to be denied. Yeah. Marvel, not to be denied. We see your crisis verse and raise you one spider verse. Yes. And suddenly you have these rumors coming out, which yesterday were dispelled. um, But Marvel lies. They like to lie. They full out lie. And then when they're done lying, they come up and they go, yeah, we were lying. Yeah. I, they don't even to which, go, you know what i i appreciate that i yeah yeah they're like don't believe anything we said <laughs> they, they, they were just like we were lying and let's be honest you wanted us to lie and we're like yeah, you yes we yes lying. we did yes we thank lied you before yeah. yeah we're like the we're like those like door knockers and labyrinth you know when we're lying yeah because that's um, the, it's the like as viewers we have this weird thing of on the one hand we want to know now what's going to happen but we also want to be completely surprised when it happens and the only way that you can do that is to well to lie to us so here's what we know one, the next Mar the, the the next Marvel movie coming out, I believe, after Black Widow, which was shot 
years ago now, is going to be Spider-Man Homecoming 3, whatever that is. The movie after it is going to be called Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is the name of that movie. Here's what we know Good about title. those. Yeah, spoiler alert for things coming up here. Here's what we know about those two movies. One, second build in the Doctor Strange movie is Elizabeth Olsen as the Scarlet Witch. Mm-hmm. She's second build. I don't see them working as friends. That's <laughs> all I'm going to say. <laughs> you don't have two incredibly magic users, incredibly powerful magic users and go, you know what the most dramatic story is? Let's just have them working together. I, it could be a buddy cop film. You know, yeah, it's, it, I, it's a buddy mage film. Yes, where they're both unbelievably power. It seems it seems more likely that you're going to be pitting them against each other. Possible, And yeah. so knowing that, here's the other only official thing that we know. At the end of Spider-Man Far From Home, Spidey's swinging through the streets, and then a big picture comes up um, on the Times Square video thing. And it's J. Jonah Jameson, played by J.K. Simmons, who played J. J. Jonah Jameson in the Tobey Maguire movies, but he's different. He has, he looks different. He has his own blog. I, we don't know what that meant, but we were just like, what, what, why is J, why is JJ and him? So here's where things can get confusing because the, and, and the same thing actually applies to the whole Quicksilver thing we were talking about before is because at any given point, like them casting JK Simmons again as J. Jonah Jameson, it could have on the one hand, it could indicate Oh my gosh, this is clearly the multiverse. We've got J. Jonah Jameson who's somehow been pulled into this. Or also an explanation could have been they were sitting around and saying, okay, we need somebody who's like J.K. Simmons because he just nailed that, you know, 20 years ago. And then someone's like, well, why don't we just get J.K. Simmons? I mean, technically, this is a totally different uh, series Which anyway. Is what and- I thought it was at first. I thought it was mm-hmm. just that. But now... Evan Peters is good, but he wasn't that much better than the other Quicksilver. Well, like it's, it's that's it's some not- of the art. Some of the articles that I've been reading have been saying, well, maybe they just did this as sort of like a little lampshade nod to, hey, look, you know, like, and maybe the whole thing. And I don't, I don't think this is going to be the actual case. But some people have made the theory that maybe this was just a uh, that it was just really a setup for the joke of what she recast her brother. And it might just so mean that so now Evan I, Pe- I, so Evan so Peters right. might be Quicksilver, but that's the extent of the changes that they're making. Yeah, I think that, that that's sort of myopic, though, to, to think that because in a vacuum, that might be true. But in a world mm-hmm. where literally there's a movie coming called Multiverse of Madness following a movie called Spider-Verse. I'm inclined to agree with you. Um, so here's what we know about the third Spider-Man movie. What is official? Jamie Foxx is back as Electro, who he was in Amazing Spider-Man 2. Alfred Molina is back as Doc Ock, who he was in the original Spider-Man 2. Mm-hmm. So we know that. Yesterday, Tom Holland came out and said, there aren't any other Spider-Men in this movie. Despite the fact that there are rumors that in Atlanta, where it's filming, people have spotted both Tobey Maguire and Andrew <laughs> Garfield, and there's no announcement of them being there. Emma Stone was about to film a movie and canceled for quote-unquote scheduling conflicts but she has no other movies in the pipeline and she also has been spotted in atlanta don't you don't you dangle the possibility of an emma stone spider gwen in front of me that's i know i know it's so so it i I don't know if you maybe this would you were thinking about this for later so okay we need to talk about (laughs) all right hey there out there everyone let's have a conversation about whether or not you want to use a multiverse trope in your storytelling. Yeah, um, and, and let me let me let me modify that real quick. I, I think it's okay now. Correct me if I'm wrong. You can you can back me up if you need to. Whether or not we want the multiverse story to become a trope. 
is I think so, yeah. Um so the there are two areas in this actually this very much reminds me of another trope that I am exceedingly wary of and that is time travel. Uh there are a lot of stories that and I understand it because the thing is as a story progresses as it gets longer and longer and bigger and bigger or a show continues there's a sense of everything's getting bigger everything's getting more epic. And this was something that we said before. It's like, how do you top Endgame? How do you top that final bat- battle of where literally every superhero that the Marvel Cinematic Universe had introduced over the past 15 years was in that moment? It was a, I mean, it was a religious moment, a, a religious and historic moment. Where do you go from there? And but I a think a problematic that, one because of time travel. Because of time, yeah. Because the, frankly, there's zero consequence. So the the whole thing becomes is that like, so the idea of let's add a time travel arc into these characters because we haven't done that before. It, it makes sense as a, well, this is something new that we haven't done before. That's a way of making the world bigger. The problem is, is it is extraordinary. Like once you, every story, even the small stories have all of these different plot threads and, you know, as uh, you know, a screenwriter yourself. It's um, I remember my playwriting professor. He always loved spelling the term playwright P L A Y W R I G H T with the idea that yeah, it's a cr- like even more so than novels. And I think screen, I would say screenwriting falls under the same thing. It is this finely crafted piece where you've got all these tiny little threads that you need to tie together. And when you introduce time travel or multiverse, you are increasing the number of threads by an exponential amount. I'm not saying that you can't pull it off. It has been done, but it is extraordinarily difficult to do. And if you don't pull it off well, that is usually what jumps the shark for your story. And I I want to talk about the concept and the idea of jumping the shark really quick. Um, it's something I talked about in my movie, actually. Uh, Jumping the Shark is the idea that a show does something so big in a, in an attempt to get new viewers that while whether or not the big thing itself was a success, it fundamentally breaks the core of the show to the point where viewers become less invested and eventually it kills the show mm-hmm. um, because it's just too grandiose. And and in TV show parlance, you know, of course, Happy Days was, was losing viewers. They had Fonzie jump over a shark with water skis. And from that moment forward after that moment there was seen a decline in the show because how do you go back from that how do you go back to what's going on at arnold's mm-hmm. at the at the local restaurant after you've had fonzie jump over and i wonder that i just finished watching cobra kai last night i won't spoil anything on cobra kai but like big stuff happens and i just go at the end i go how do you possibly go back to a, a little high school drama mm-hmm. after after these things happen well, and the big and, thing is that it's in those moments frequently where the world becomes too big for this and it's it's a real problem with character driven stories because when suddenly the world becomes too big then you can't really just follow the characters anymore yeah and i think that that is you know that's going to be a problem with long form storytelling anyway you know we've a lot of people have complained about the star wars universe that gosh for such a universe for it's a galaxy far far away but it's really like 15 planets and like 150 people is mm-hmm. that's all that's in the star wars universe at least in the movie in the movies uh the, in the movie thread but even but even so right like that even in Mandalorian, even legacy characters show, show up in in Rebels and Clone Wars. Legacy characters show up like R2-D2 mm-hmm. and C-3PO seem to show up everywhere. I live in a relatively small, smallish town. 
um, outside of Washington, D.C. And I have friends who live in this town and have for years. And I frequent movie theaters and plays, <laughs> which my friends are also into. And you never and see I them. I have never <laughs> seen them there. That's true. The idea that the R2-D2 would show up all the time. <laughs> is people complain that the universe is too small. Now, the other side of this, the universe can collapse under its own weight as you try and get bigger and bigger and bigger. And so mm -hmm. Marvel was trying to tell a bigger and bigger story. And you have a point where you go, what is the definition of consequence? The biggest moment in Infinity Wars was the death of Loki. But you do a little time travel and yeah, he's Loki's fine. back. Yeah. You do same thing with Gamora. Oh, no, Gamora had to be sacrificed to get the... The soul stone, it's the only thing you can do and there's no one doing it. And by no one doing it, we just mean that an early version of her needs to jump to the future. Mm -hmm. And then they go, and Black Widow, I tried to get her back, man, and we couldn't get her back. In fact, well, like, that, I'm curious to see- stuff just happened with Gamora. I'm curious to see where they're going with that because they said so many times in Endgame, no, no, I, I get the sense this is permanent. There's no- there, there's no possible way. Like I, except you know, me thinks the, the lady doth protest thing too happened much. Happened with Gamora. Yeah, the, the precisely exact thing yeah. happened with Gamora. Well, and, she was and, tossed look, over the and same let's cliff be, to get the same and soulstone. Here's the thing, and and I will give the Marvel Cinematic, Cinematic Universe a pass on this because the idea of the idea of superheroes dying in dramatic ways and then being back a couple years later was in no way started by the film versions of superheroes. I agree, but they it is a problem when, you know, because Infinity War and Endgame, as much as they tried to say it's two movies, it's one big story. Mm -hmm. It's like one big movie. And and the idea that you have all these consequential deaths in Infinity War and literally even Vision in his own way is back. Mm -hmm. And like and, and Black Widow, who the only one who stayed dead is literally getting her own movie afterward. Mm -hmm. So there's no one that we have to go. Oh, like like remember when Han Solo died in Force Awakens? Like you felt that for like a year. You're like, holy mm -hmm. crap. Even now you're like, oh, man. Yeah, that's true. To Star Wars, they don't come back. Well, except for Palpatine. But that's a whole yeah. It's, it's but you know well yeah but you but at least that was really well written remember that amazing line from from rise of skywalker <laughs> somehow palpatine returned yeah and that was what was that was the first that was the first line in the crawl emperor palpatine lives and yeah. i stopped and i was just like well okay no, no, no. I, okay well, i guess we're just speak we're just the, the dead speak the, yeah, the, the dead, dead speak, speak. but it we did that first camera. paragraph i will never show it to you unless you're playing fortnite the, True story. Yeah. Look it up. Look it up because his message to everyone, you don't even hear it yeah. in the movie. But if you were playing Fortnite, Fortnite like a week before, over the speakers, it happened. We were in New York City. We were in New York City and we were at the Paley Center because my kids like to go there and play the video games there. And they had to get onto Fortnite. Oh, because that was going to happen. What the Emperor at the was going to say. <laughs> Okay, let's. I, I would like to say we reviewed Rise of Skywalker. I gave Rise of Skywalker a five, but I maintain I gave Rise of Skywalker a five because Star Wars, and that was literally my only reason for it. And I stand by that, but only because of that reason. I I <laughs> Star Wars, Rise damn it! Of, I think that Rise of Skywalker had some. I mean, it's a whole different conversation. It, yeah. But I think it had its issues. I think it, I, I will also say that I walked out of Phantom Menace that first night at after seeing the midnight showing and being like. I'm going back to see that seven more times. I'm not mad at Rise of Skywalker. I'll just, I'll, I'll say just as a as a side note, I'm not mad at Rise of Skywalker. I'm still more mad at Last Jedi. It's weird because I can tell Last Jedi is a better film, mm -hmm. but it did break all the toys in really interesting.
interesting ways. No, we we could go around yeah. and around on that one again. So but. yeah, but that's the thing, right? But that's like at least there's consequence. Can mm-hmm. you imagine you get to Rise of Skywalker and it's just like Han Solo's back <laughs> and <laughs> so is Max von Sydow, Max von, Max von Sydow who died at the beginning. He's back and uh, mm-hmm. Kylo Ren died like 20 minutes ago, but yeah. he's back. Hey, and- wouldn't it be really cool if we had like Ray fighting alongside of Anakin Skywalker? Yeah, he's back. Yeah. He's fine. He's fine. He's okay. You so, know, come to think of it, I don't believe, well, no, with one exception, Star Wars has not, for the most part, has avoided delving into either time travel or multiverse. Um, oh, and I think that, and, I, and I think when I think that's because the galaxy is bit like they keep the galaxy so freaking huge and they keep the arc of it so big. Um, but the one exception, uh, spoilers, uh, is in Rebels. They do. Yeah, hold, yeah they, let's really, let's really, this is the final episode of Rebels. So if you're working on Rebels mm-hmm. right now, if you're working your way through with your kids or something like jump ahead Mm -hmm. like three or four minutes go ahead yeah well no that was really it was just like they they did it in rebels but that's literally the only time i think that i can remember that they've done it in any major star wars and do you want do you want to know what the because they do retcon an event in rebels using time travel yes yes they do they they change what happened i have heard multiple rumors in the last two three months that the plan for star wars is because people don't like the sequel trilogy that's it's i've heard that the plan is to hand everything over to John Favreau, let him do a time travel story that is essentially like Star Trek 2009, uh-huh. that where you go and you go, hey, what we're really going to do is we're going to give you a Luke Skywalker and Han Solo adventure because they go through time and they do a different timeline <laughs> where Kylo Ren never happened. Yeah, I've heard that that is what they're thinking. Of I doing. mean, like, look, don't get me wrong. I'm going to be there for it. And I'd sure. probably love the hell out of it, especially if it's with the same showrunners as they've got now. But at the same time, I'm just like, oh, God, that's wow. To to re- like you and I have both. And ironically, you know me, I'm the one who's always just like, hey, the existence of one alternate story does not nullify uh, does not nullify the power of the previous story. Like the whole the Mandalorian novels that came out during the Legends period of Star Wars. Uh, were completely, you, know, you said they kind of like were wiped away by the new Mandalorian canon. And even at the time, I was just like, well, yeah, but you had the, you know, but it's not like those books no longer exist. All that Speaking being... of which, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to jump completely off the rails right now. Yeah. Can we talk about how you and I met? We were both doing a play and you had a, I think it was a Clie, <laughs> like a, like a little Sony little um a pocket um computer and you had a little keyboard that like folded out and you could write on it and i thought it was the coolest thing i was like what a nerd and then you pulled out a star wars book which i then later found out that you were a bigger fan of the books at the time than you were of the movies Mm -hmm. at the time and i was like oh my gosh i don't know anybody who not only reads the books but openly reads star wars extended universe books in their spare time in public in front of people yeah this was i I mean this all right, kids. There was a time twenty not not so long ago where your parents could not read Star Wars in public for fear of shame. Yes, pre Kindle, where you had to show everybody where you had where cover. there was where every time where where basically you had a book like the, everyone could see everyone. And hey, hey, actor kids. Hey, all of you theater kids now who are all role playing, and every actor I know has a Dungeons and Dragons group, which is awesome. There was a time in the theater world 20 years ago where it was where it was a statement of bravery for me to be reading a book about Darth Maul in full view of every other actor in my Shakespearean play. So 
it's a beautiful new world. I'm just going to say that. I love the world that we're in now. And I remember calling you when Disney announced that everything else was going to go um, into Legends mm-hmm. and that they it was no longer canon. Because I know how much that canon meant to you. Of course, that canon started in the late 1990s um, when after no sequel of any kind to the original Star Wars trilogy, they finally said, oh, we're never going to make more movies. Just go ahead and write some just books. Just write some more books, yeah. And they handed it off to a gentleman by the name of Timothy Zahn mm-hmm. who created the character of Thrawn. My boy Thrawn. Um, and Thrawn got his own trilogy. Then they said, ah, oh, no, it never happened. And then he got another trilogy written by Timothy Zahn. Then he was the big bad guy in Rebels. Now he's been brought up as possibly the big guy, bad guy for the entire like TV universe mm-hmm. of the Mandalorian. And in his honor, you wrote a song and, and well, why don't you just say who, who, who heard that song? Uh, I don't, it's, it's, I mean, it look <laughs> like, here's the thing we get on the one hand. So yeah. So one of the things that's going on in my life right now is um, it being early 2021 and we're in a strange and bizarre world where all of a sudden sea shanties are the most popular thing. Uh, which, you know, meanwhile, me who's been, I was just like, I've been singing sea shanties at Renaissance fairs for the past 20 years. I'm glad the rest of you finally caught up. Uh, I got the idea for doing star shanties, uh, which are shanties, sea shanties that would be sung by people in Star Wars. And uh, so I created the first one called Old Man Thrawn. And it is, I I don't know. It's, I mean, it hasn't even quote unquote gone viral, really. It's it's gotten more likes and shares than anything else I've done, which is not saying much. But the cool feather in the cap for it is someone did share it to Timothy Zahn and Timothy Zahn was like, very awesome. Thrawn would be proud uh, to which my reply was, well, this pretty much justifies every life choice that I've made since high school. Seriously, Seriously um, it would be like Kevin Smith liking one of my. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, it's no, incredible. Yeah, it's such um, a such a pull. And I it, it just made me I was grinning. I was telling people about it. I I called my mom. I was like, do you know what Arthur did? (laughs) It's worth noting that, you know, for 99.9% of the world still, this means absolutely nothing, but that's okay. I'm in the 1%. I'm I'm finally a 1%er. 1%er, that's right. I've always wanted to be one. What were we talking about? Um, Yeah, so I I couldn't not tell them. I'm sorry. (laughs) I couldn't not tell them. That's so cool. So... So we get to, to to jump back to where we are and the question that you have. We we were talking about time travel and how now there's there's no sense of consequence because you can now use that to undo anything that happened. Mm-hmm. We've gotten into Star Wars. So let me let me jump back to where to the problem at hand, which is this. I want all of it. I want Michael Keaton Batman. And I mm-hmm. want my X-Men to pull in. I want to see what happens. You know, certainly the X-Men have to come. Marvel's going to do it. But I want, I desperately want to see three Spider-Man going mm-hmm. I want to see it. Like, I want to see it more than anything. But the question... Because it, it, it fulfills the what if. Sure. The, the question is, how long do we want to see that? Well, I'm a big fan of the Alien franchise. And specifically, my, my, my jam is Aliens. The James Cameron 1986 movie Aliens. Mm-hmm. The sequel to the 1979 Ridley Scott movie Alien. And they're very different movies. Alien is a quiet, introspective horror movie. It's basically a slasher film with an alien on a spaceship. Then James Cameron shows up and he's like, yeah, but what if there are a hundred of them? <laughs> and they're space marines and nuclear bombs. And robots ripped in half. And and Ripley has seven guns literally duct taped together. 
Um, <laughs> and then you get to Alien 3. And Alien 3 is a movie with its own set of problems. I have in my in, in screenwriting, I have what I call an Alien 3 rule, uh, which is oh, that yeah. you which is that you you which cannot is, you cannot kill the person that you're spending the entire prior movie trying to save. Yeah. In in the first half of the next movie. I think Nightmare on Elm Street 4 makes that mistake as well. As much as I like that film, mm-hmm. all of the survivors of Nightmare on Elm Street 3 die in the first 15 minutes of Nightmare well, shoot, on Elm Street Alien 4. 3, the kid dies in the first five minutes. Yeah. Um, so, but the other problem that Alien 3 had, and I don't know what they could have done, is you can either make it bigger than Aliens, or you have to do something <clears throat> that you know is going to disappoint everyone just to reset the bar. Yeah. So you can keep making alien movies is that if that's what you plan to do and they want Marvel to continue for the next 20 years. And I think this multiverse idea is a great idea for the next like three, four years. Mm -hmm. But the question is, is once you've, once we like, like think of what we got, we got Iron Man. Then we got, okay, now we got Avengers movies. Then we got, okay, well the shield characters are kind of showing up together and we're getting a little like, like Falcon shows up in Ant-Man for like Mm -hmm. a second. Yeah. But then you get to Ragnarok, and now it's it basically is, it's it is now it's a given that even a super like a superhero film that is just about one character is going to have another character from another film as the secondary star in it. Yeah, that that has just become the new thing. Spider Man Homecoming with 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 both Nick Fury and or Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and it just it it kind of goes that way. So once we get into multiverse movies, once DC's like nobody's watching our movies. Okay, Keaton mm-hmm. and the resurrected ghost of both Christopher. For Reeve and George Reeves mm-hmm. are going to be there with Tom Welling. Why not? Let's just have everyone. And I want to see it. I'm going to have such a good time. But when it's done, when it's done in universe, how do I go back to just an Avengers movie? How do we ever do an Avengers movie about the six Avengers fighting some force? Well, and ultimately, I think this comes down to, and it is the it is the problem that um, that every franchise faces in a capitalist society, which is every story needs an ending. But if you end the story, like if you end a brand that is making you money, is making your studio money that you know people love, if you end it and truly end it in a way that even if it's in a way that's satisfying and everything like that, your ability to make money with that brand is severely limited, forcing you to now go. And now it creatively, it's great because it forces you to go out and try to create some new IPs and some new brands. Sure. But those are riskier. You know, for every one that's a success, you're going to have nine that don't do that well. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk frequently about the the British style of television, which is you'll have an incredibly popular show like Sherlock. And that show had a total of maybe 10 episodes over the course of its entire run. Um, uh, Japanimation anime does the same thing. Their stories will, you know, the longest running anime shows will still normally only be more than no more than four or five seasons. The idea being we are building a story and then we are going to and then we are going to end it when it is the right time for it to end. Yeah, I think and I think that that is, are we and it's sad to even say this out loud, but are we looking at what could be the death knell of the Marvel Universe? Is this the aliens problem with the Marvel Universe? Have we now gotten to 
we are now no longer sat. You know, you can't ever have that moment back where Thor sees Hulk and goes, yes, mm-hmm. you know, you can't have that moment back. But if Thor saw, I don't know, Hugh Jackman, Wolverine, we'd be like, yeah, we want that. But then when that's done, done. Yeah. you know, then does it have to be Thor and Wolverine are with the Terminator? Like it's, it's like, like what's going to come next? I mean, and ultimately it, it, it comes down to, do you want your store? I mean, either you choose when your story ends with a bang or you're accepting the fact that sometime in the future, it's going to end with a whimper. And that might still be the better choice because you still might get years of good material after the climax. I mean, here's the thing. If we never get end game again, but still get, you know, something that's maybe event like the size of the first Avengers. First Avengers was a phenomenal film. I'd happily sure. watch a couple more of those. Like, so it's yeah. not so choose. So I don't want to make it seem like choosing to keep going after your pinnacle is necessarily the wrong decision. Well, but it- I feel like the blip is the first real big problem with this. And the re- the bright reason it's a problem is that the concept of Iron Man, really the concept of, of all of the superhero movies that have come out with the exception of, of really the second, third, and fourth original Batman movies, is what would happen if these superheroes existed in the real world? That's been the idea. The first Batman kind of did that. Like, what mm-hmm. would a real Batman look like? Yeah. You know, what would it what would an Iron Man be? And after the blip, the idea of Peter going on his his trip, they've just kind of got a whistle past it. Yeah. Because the world is not normal anymore. Mm-hmm. It's just not. It's, it's just not, like, there, like there is no real world anymore. Like, how do we deal with the fact that Ant-Man wants to can't get a job anywhere except 31 flavors? Because that's what the first Ant-Man was all about. Mm-hmm. But now what what is the world even even look like and as you get it bigger and bigger how can you ever go back to the core fundamental of of the world which was what is it like you know what things are existing in the real world how do you do that this has just occurred to me um we frequently are asking okay what is a superhero film um maybe one of the things that is kind of a hallmark of a superhero film is you have a super character that exists in a non-super world um if you get super characters that exist in a super world then you're into fantasy which is a wonderful genre in its own right star wars is more so than science fiction even i would say Star Wars is galactic fantasy. It is space opera. Ooh, okay, yeah, no, but it's it is not. But it is not necessarily. And yes, there's space wizards. There's there's people moving things with their mind and everything. But they are not superheroes because Star Wars is because that that's happening everywhere in Star Wars. Sure, it's interesting. There's a series of books called Save the Cat, which I really like as as story. Like just they're about the creation of story and how story works and how to write their their instruction manuals for how to write mm-hmm. stories, how to write screenplays and then novels and everything. It's, it's a really, it's, it's, it's a worth a listen. But one of the things they talked about is they talked about the 10 different kind of genres that you can make um, and how everything sort of falls into them. And it's not the genres that we think of like drama, romance and everything. Mm-hmm. There's one like, like monster in the house is one. And that's Ooh, alien. I like that. Mm-hmm. Alien is monster in, monster the, house. in the house. There's so, so one of them is the one of them is um, the Golden Fleece, which is a fantasy one, yeah. And the and the other one is superhero. And so they talk about Harry Potter at one point. They go, "What is Harry Potter?" They go, "Harry Potter is a superhero story, but Harry Potter's po- superpower is not magic. Everyone in Harry Potter's world Has can magic. do magic. What is it? His that- power is that he is exceptional, and he is exceptional in every way. He can't die. Mm-hmm. He's, he, he can't die. He continually beats the big bad guy. He's the only one who can. He's super famous. He's super rich. He's, mm-hmm. um, you know, he is the best at everything he ever does. 
And that is why it is a superhero story, because a superhero story is how do I, as a superhero, fit into the normal world? And his normal world is magic, but his story is still the same. How do I, this exceptional person, fit in mm-hmm. with all the other normal kids at Hogwarts? So Harry, story. So Harry Potter is still a superhero because Harry Potter is the equivalent of, of like a top level Superman in the Arrowverse, uh, where yeah, you just or, got- or like or like Batman in the real world. Like yeah. that's yeah, mm-hmm. where where yeah, or like Batman in MMA. You know, like yeah. you have you have MMA, <laughs> but then you have Batman. Yeah. And everyone in MMA can fight, but but this is Batman. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's why Harry Potter is a superhero story, not because of magic power. Because he's exceptional compared to the world around him. And how does he deal with that is mm-hmm. the core question being I mean, asked. I, you know what? I think that's coming pretty close to a very all right, that's certainly not the only definition, but that is a I think I want to incorporate that as a as one of our core metrics. Point. Yeah. Yeah. As a data point for what is a superhero. For, it's, it's about being exceptional compared to the rest of the world that you're in. Um, in any case, how do you ever go back to that world? And the, what the core of Iron Man was, which which was he's in the real world. Like a yeah. dude could do this. The whole idea of Iron Man was if you were rich enough and smart enough, you could pull this off mm-hmm. and everyone else around you is normal. Yeah. And how do you do that now when there's a multiverse mm-hmm. <laughs> like that? It's. And could it be the death knell of Marvel unless they have an Alien 3 situation where they have to, ne- or a crisis situation where they have to necessarily reset, like like bring the bar back down. Like maybe you have another end game level event, a huge giant multiverse event, have your time travel, your multiverse, and then you slam it all together. You say, okay, you know, now there's just one universe and the general populace doesn't know what's happened. Mm-hmm. And only you are burdened with the memory of what used to be. Only you heroes are burdened with the memory of what used to be. But now, now that you know how bad it could get, now you must make sure that it never gets there again. And then you can kind of go back to regular old Marvel Mm -hmm. movies. But I do have a fear that they're going to open up a can of worms that's so big that all you're going to get is worms. It is the, and it's the... (laughs) Yeah, all you're gonna get is worms. What What do you expect when you open a can of worms? It's I don't like, know. oh look, why are, why are they this in is cans? A, this is a can of worms, but look, why there's do candy not inside. Cans of worms as often as I thought it would. That also goes for fire, quicksand, quicksand. I quicksand. I thought quicksand was going to be a much bigger problem in yeah, my you're, adult you're, life than it yeah. turned out to be. Yeah, it's it's a problem, and evidently, cans of worms go right along mm-hmm. with it. Yeah. Are right, your final thoughts? Uh, uh, my right. final thoughts on this are: I think the thing with the multiverse is it comes down to to how big do you want your stories to be uh, with TVs? You know, Buffy, uh, a lot of these, a lot of the TV shows that we've watched, they start as monster of the weeks and then eventually become this big overarching story. And it is the natural progression of things because you want things to continuously get bigger and bigger. However, there always comes a point in a lot of these where even if I'm enjoying the big overarching story that I'm like, man, I, I missed the simplicity of the monster of the week. Uh, and so there's, it's almost like, is that the, is that the inevitable fate of any good story that you do not end, uh, that you do not choose to end, is the fate of any story when it's allowed to continue to eventually just uh, suffer from the term in gaming is bloat. Eventually, it just gets so big. It's where World of Warcraft is right now. World of Warcraft, many people said when it first came out for the first few years, was like this 
absolute pinnacle of uh, Morpeg gaming. But 15 years in, the characters that were the absolute top best of the best 10 years ago are now, you know, those same magical items. They're what you start with now because of bloat. Because uh, it's necessary, right? You have you have two problems. On one hand, the story must necessarily become more dramatic. Yeah. Um, otherwise, what you have is you have like ER, right? Where you're like, and it's always sort of the same. Mm-hmm. It's always the same. It's tiring. You've, you've told the stories that you can tell in that paradigm. And it's, you know, the stakes have remained the same. So why am I continuing to watch? Because it's always kind of at this level. Yeah. Um, and so it gets boring. So you must continually sort of raise the stakes and raise the stakes and raise the stakes, raise the stakes. The, what you get into is you get into this point, you know, I'm watching Buffy season four right now. And it's a great example of this. You get to this point where you're like, okay, of course it had to get bigger. You couldn't just go smaller. I mean, look what people think of Buffy season six, where they tried to go smaller. People are like, that season sucks. Mm-hmm. This season, it's just like, Three guys is that like ah oh, what's it like like it's, but you go okay but you had to do that because the seasons before like like you 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 went from you you went from a, a super powerful vampire to a super evil powerful vampire to a super powerful mare demon to a super powerful government organization to a god you know mm-hmm. and what are you gonna do next like the living planet you know like yeah. where are you gonna go with it and so when you try and pull it down and make it smaller again everyone goes hey look at how big it was before why is it so small now but the problem is that if you don't do that then you necessarily get to the point where it just gets to like batman and robin levels of mm-hmm. it becomes so big it's ridiculous and campy and and the stakes are so overwhelming that you don't like you don't buy into them you can't relate to them in any way and the show is now no longer why you started started watching, watching. When you first started watching, you started watching season one because of what season one was. You're like, oh, look at this. This is fun. I like this. And the more you add other stuff, you must necessarily, there's only in a movie two hours or in a show one hour to tell the story you need to tell. So in order to add so much more stuff, you must necessarily remove the stuff that you started with. And sure, that's why season twos and threes are always so good because you cut the fat out of the stuff that didn't work at season one and mm-hmm. you keep only the stuff that works and then you add other stuff and then that's why season threes are usually really sweet spots for a mm, lot of series point. because you've cut away all the crap that didn't work and you've added some more crap and you cut away that stuff that didn't work and you get this sort of like perfectly galvanized and it's just before thing. any bloat comes in look at all the problems with part fours of everything lethal weapon four superman four season four of buffy season four is the next gen's okay but they're like mm-hmm. you get to put batman and robin you get to part fours and part fours are usually it's either where things become super elevated the fast franchise got better after part four when they decide okay let's just go well i, th- I think th- that's the thing is they got better because they decided to completely transform everything which they, is something you can do which is absolutely something you can do but if you bought into if you loved the the fast franchise because you were super into street racing i'm very sorry because the first movie is all about street racing if you're like i love these movies about these street racers mm-hmm. sorry it's done yeah so if you so you can get to a point where the thing that you bought in for I'm going to I'm going to say that there's uh so thinking about that so if you are telling a story and if you are telling a continual story there's going to reach a point where uh I'm going to 
just say, you know, with all the authority that my layman status has. Uh, I have a drum in the background. Yeah, I do. Um, the you can do one of four things when you realize, OK, the story is getting is starting to really get big, bigger beyond what it was. Um, you can either say, OK, I'm going to let this reach its natural climax and then end it. Uh, the second option is I'm just going to let it keep getting bigger until it eventually falls apart under the weight of itself. Again, as a money making thing, not the worst idea in the world. And, I, and I'm not saying that with scorn. Uh, the third option and when really the final two options involve some level of reset or transformation, I'll say the third option is sort of a reset. The third option is you're saying, I'm going to let this get big, but then I'm going to reset it and make it small again and hope that the viewers stay with me. Uh, and it's not my idea, right? Reset, reset it, keep Mm -hmm. the big stuff and the dramatic underpinnings of it, but make it impossible for it to be where it used to be when it was huge. So you've got, or we're going to go small and we're just going to go through that growth period we'll go again. through that again and then yeah uh, um then the fourth option is and i only just thought of it when you were talking about fast of the furious the fourth option is complete transformation uh sure. the fourth option is to go from alien to aliens to go from fast and the furious three to number four to say to go from nightmare on elm street to mm-hmm. freddy's dead to say totally different which is in its own way kind of ending the first story you are saying okay those things that we were making before what we're making now has sort of some of the same ingredients but is nothing like what we were making before and that is also when all of these things are creatively i think with the exception of i'm just going to let it get so big it collapses all of these are things that you can do if you do it right very well creatively um the uh the second one is accept- this value in the, the, the second the, one is like life right like yeah, the, do- yeah the second one is accepting the inevitability of there will come a point where i can't do this anymore but so i'm gonna enjoy this but i'm gonna enjoy this ride while i can yeah 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 i think i think that that's i think that that's fair i think there's there's evidence for the for the third being the best option you know you look mm-hmm. at the x-men franchise which become giant and bloated and then they made it small again with first class and then it became giant they they they, it became the first class universe became giant and bloated by the time Mm -hmm. you got to apocalypse then you made logan and i think audience is willing to go or are willing to go with you to different places as long as you tell good stories yeah um and you can get back to what you and i think the idea of a reset an in-universe reset is a a really cool and interesting idea i hope that's the way they go i want them to give me the multiverse i want for the Mm -hmm. next few years Go for it. Well, first of all, it doesn't matter what I want because it seems like they've made their decision. Yeah. Um, I mean, and the multiverse is the only if your decision after Endgame is we're going to make it bigger. Multiversing is the only option you have to do that. Yeah. But you're eventually going to have to. And I, I hope that we are not the first per- people to have this discussion. I hope the people there have had this discussion. What mm-hmm. is your post multiverse post Endgame plan? To mm-hmm. make it so that we can do this for another 15 years without becoming Batman and Robin. I have a my theory on that is they're going we're going to be seeing with the industry in general we're going to be seeing a pivot away from film and into TV including with superheroes because TV is a medium where it is easier to tell the smaller stories anyway. Well, and the the other thing that you have to keep in mind is one, your target audience is still 13-year-olds, right? That's still your target. 13 mm-hmm. to 17-year-olds is your target and they are not going to continue to want to see 60 year old you know 55 year old now but eventually 60 year old robert downey jr doing his thing they you know true as you get younger things the other thing is you've got you know a lot of white men in the marvel universe and a lot of you know a lot of a lot of of people of color and women who are successors to those characters in the comics Mm -hmm. that's where you get 
Ironheart or Miles Morales or Falcon and the opportunity to go, okay, in universe, can we give you the things that you had before, but in a way that is more representative? Actually, well? you know, yeah, to, to, that's a really good point to whoever, you know, who has the authority to make these decisions, who is listening to our humble podcast. Like, I don't even know if that's a fifth, op- like, I, I don't know if I'd classify that as the fifth option to what I was saying before, but telling the same stories with completely different characters of genders and cultures and ethnicities that we have not seen telling those stories before, you're going to be able to make that work for a whole lot longer than you're going to be able to make a multiverse work. Well, and you know what? Ironheart is the story of a plucky young black girl who gets the Iron Man armor. And the fan base is going to get real crappy about you Mm -hmm. if you do that in a movie. Unless you fork over the money for Robert Downey Jr. Jr., to be the AI in her suit. Ooh. And then everyone's like, I want to see Robert Downey Jr. Oh my gosh, I get a chance to see Tony again. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I have to be there. Then you tell a really good story with her and you have successfully ushered. It's 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 why the presence, it's why you don't just recast Peter Parker. It's why the presence of Peter Parker was so important. To Spider-Verse. To, to Spider-Verse. Because yeah. the general fan base who doesn't know Miles Morales is go, I don't want to, what do you mean there's a different Spider-Man? What? That's a really good point. There was an like element you bring, of. You bring Peter with him and go, no, here's Peter. You want a Spider-Man movie with Peter Parker? He's this is a Pirate Spider-Man movie. About you Peter don't Parker. you don't change the guard, but like literally, you don't change the guard by saying there was never any other guard but this one. You see the first guard leave, or you see the first guard hand over the keys or the whatever to the or, new or guard. Coexist, like yeah. the idea of two Spider-Man going mm-hmm. around. You could totally do a Spider-Verse movie now where there are just two Spider-Man swinging around. Yeah, like there's New York, and sometimes they run it. That's what the comics have right now. Mm-hmm. There are two different Spider-Man comics: one with Peter Parker, one with Miles Morales, and the Miles Morales one occasionally they'll change the name of the comic it's not even called miles morales it's just spider-man yeah his spider-man instead of having multiple earths you just have multiple Mm spider-men and they know each other they're pals and they they interact and work together sometimes and sometimes they don't and that's like i think that you have opportunities there i'm really like i'm curious to see where it goes again i trust marvel they seem to know what they're doing up there they continue like they were like hey let's take not had a major blunder yet let's take a tree and a raccoon and make a movie with them and i was like this is it they're done marvel's done (laughs) done when that movie came out i was like this is they they can't go anywhere after this and then they turn around and they absolutely can they absolutely do the fact that the the what is impressive about endgame is not the fight but the emotional beats yes shows that their 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 mind is in the right place they that's the thing with the i mean the the fight at the end of endgame what made it so powerful was you realize they had spent the past 15 films earning that moment but i would say that that as great as it was to see cat pick up a shield it wasn't that much different than seeing in emotional value than seeing hawkeye hearing his his kid's voice when he went back in time true and looking aside yeah him. you know it wasn't mm-hmm. that much different than seeing you know scott hug his daughter mm-hmm. or then i love you 3000 like yeah. there's there's like as good as the big moments were the small moments are just you're right the, yeah the big moments were built on the backs of all of these wonderful small moments yeah and i yeah. think that that i hope that they keep their eyes on the prize and i believe that they will mm-hmm. um this is great yeah um it's and i think it was important that we do because this is we're going to be talking multiverse a lot i think in the years and months to come and and i love that we're kind of laying down a little thesis statement for mm-hmm. what this is all about and what our the feelings thesis are statement at least for me is i have my reservations but i recognize the inevitability of this so okay i always i say this over on trek off so much to Alexi, and i'll say it to you and i think you probably feel the the same way when we go back to talking about how we felt about those star wars eu books what an embarrassment of riches yes 
We oh are in. Gosh. I just finished Cobra Kai last night. And I was like, holy crap. I just watched more Karate Kid this week than had existed my entire life until like a year and a half ago. What do you mean I can choose which superhero shows and films I watch instead of having to just like cling for whatever scraps I get crap, once what, a year? What do you mean I can choose which Flash <laughs> I want to see? And they they know each other. Like, that's the crazy, like, yeah. I don't know if I like Ezra Miller ba- yeah. better no, or like for, Grant Gustin, spoilers, Grant Gustin, but the fact that they, that they they know each other, they're pals. For all of the problems that this world, like that this current world of superheroes and industry has, I and would world, much rather prefer where we world, are now yeah. to where we were 20 years ago. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just crazy that I can't like, we're, we're about to tonight. We're going to start watching the queen's gambit. And it's amazing to be able to look at, at Mrs. J and say, Hey, we are going to be watching our first non superhero sci-fi show in like ever other than karate kid, but karate kids like an eighties nostalgia show, which sort of <laughs> counts. Like we're going to like, you made it this gonna, far. How long have you been married? Um, 24 years. You made it 24 years. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just crazy that like there's still like we just finished Doom Patrol and we're like, yeah, and we're never going to watch Titans because I heard Titans not that is not that good. You know what? When I was a kid, Titans would have been the best show <laughs> on TV. That's all but we then, would have been talking about in the playground. On Trek Off, we're talking about like, hey, which of the three new Star Trek shows that came out last year do we like the best? <laughs> like, is it Discovery, Lower Decks, or Picard? We just can't make up our mind of the 26 straight weeks we had of Star Trek. Yeah. And like, and we're like, oh, no, I don't know. Are we going to like the new Superman show that's coming? Because of course there's one. It's 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 wonderful that we get what we get, that we get to enjoy this, especially during, let's face it, this has not been the greatest few years for Earth. So I'm glad at least it's been the best few years for Earth's hey, mightiest uh, Star Wars has been my security blanket for the entirety of 2020. I will it's straight so nice. up admit that. It's yeah. so just like it's I, I don't have a security blanket. I have a closet full of security blankets. There you go. That are being offered to me by streaming services. <laughs> and I love how people are like, I'm not going to pay $7 a month for Paramount Plus. I'm like, dude, I had to explain to my kids that I never turned in a blockbuster video DVD on time ever. <laughs> like I just accepted that the rental price for blockbuster was $8. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's what you needed. The idea that just like, yeah, I, I bought all the streaming services. I did. Mm-hmm. I paid. Because yeah. I, I, I can just like, hey, anytime I want, I can watch any one of a hundred hours of, of superhero and or sci-fi stuff. I've ne- like, I've never seen The Expanse. Everyone's Heard like, oh, things. dude, yeah. you got to see it. It's amazing. It's better than Star Trek. Sure. I'm sure <laughs> that I will. I, or maybe I won't. Because we've got a very long list. I know. It's great. And it's great to have that list. Mm-hmm. And I'm super excited that it's growing. And the idea that they all know each other is is wonderful. I'm glad I know you, sir. Likewise, you are, sir. You're a key part and of I, my I, I look forward to our next discussion, uh, whatever film that ends up being. Yeah, we uh, the quick peek behind the scenes. Uh, I know you're all expecting Wonder Woman this week. Um, there is uh, there is a guest that we are trying to line up uh, for Wonder Woman. Um, and when, when and if that's able to happen, we will do that. Uh, whether or not that plan changes or whether or not we end up doing something else in between, it has not, it is not something that we've forgotten about. Not at all. Um, but like I said, now that you've finished the show, be sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode of the Totally Super Podcast. Also, if you like this, you should head over to geeksradio.com or search Geeks Radio wherever you listen to podcasts. There you can find Trek Off, 
the Not Safe for Work Star Trek podcast with Justin and Alexia. So search for Trek Off, search for Pop Off, search for Geeks Radio, and just thanks for joining us. This has been a presentation of Enlight Entertainment. 